Welcome into another episode of our podcast, WeatherWise, here, of course, recorded in our studio at 47 ABC in Salisbury, Maryland. Today's topic is derecho or derecho, and a lot of people might not understand what we're saying. <laughs> you might not know what it means. We're going to go into details about it because it's a type of thunderstorm that can be deadly and has been deadly in the past and very recently it has as well and quite locally very close to our region so again welcome in to our podcast i'm meteorologist daniel johnson alongside i'm meteorologist ulysses garcia we're giving you that weather wisdom here on this wednesday that's right and ulysses it is fantastic seeing you here in studio but we are still social distancing so if everyone's listening he sounds pretty different i'm sure he's not calling in on the phone I can actually see him, so we're both in studio now, <laughs> which is nice. Um, Same here. Yeah, so it's good to see you. Yep. Um, let's talk about it, because derecho, it has a whole meaning to it, the reason why it's called that. Uh, do you want to give us a little bit of a definition of it, because it has um, Spanish, it's a Spanish meaning. So yeah, so derecho in Spanish means straight. And when you think of these, uh, a derecho is just a widespread, long-lived, straight-line windstorm that is associated with a fast-moving group of severe thunderstorms known as a mesoscale convective system. So pretty much just a long line of very, very strong thunderstorms that move very fast over an area. That's right. So an, an MCS, a mesoscale convective system, mm -hmm. uh, is that big complex of thunderstorms which can produce a derecho or, dere or derecho, if you want to say it in Spanish. So, again, straight is the definition. It produces straight-line wind damage, but it can also spin up tornadoes no, yes, and absolutely. can cause uh, even more problems on top of the straight-line winds. And, again, that mesoscale convective system, sometimes called mesoscale convective complex mm -hmm. and MCC, depending on who you talk to, they're both correct. But, um, yeah, they're very dangerous storms, and they can actually cause hurricane-force winds. Um, heavy rain, flash flooding, so major problems. And if you ever look at them on radar, they typically look like a backward C. So if you think of the letter C and think of it backwards, that's what a derecho would look like. Um, we kind of call it a bow echo. It's bow. a type of bow echo. When the radar is bowing out like that, that's a term we use, and that's indicative of damaging winds. Um, now, just because you see a bow echo or strong storms that look like a derecho doesn't mean it is, right? Absolutely. Um, there's actually a certain definition um, as to, like, how far it travels and the type of damage and the wind speeds it does. Because the National Weather Service has an actual criteria for it, right? Yes. The, so, yes, yeah, so the National Weather Service has a criteria, and it's pretty much a band of storms, and the winds have to be at least 60 miles an hour. And usually at 60 miles an hour... Uh, you know, obviously, you know, severe thunderstorm warnings are 58 miles an hour or higher. So more than likely, these will be severe thunderstorms as they push through. They have to go at least 250 miles, but they also have to have a time span of at least six hours uh, by the National Weather Service. So, yeah, so it's 60 mile an hour winds with two, at least covering, already have covered 250 miles and at least lasting six hours since its uh, original creation. Yeah, and that's one big difference between a derecho and just a simple supercell yes. or a severe thunderstorm that's pushing through. Because, you know, a severe thunderstorm, and I don't want to say typical because every storm is different, but they don't really last too long. 
But when you think of this and what we're talking about, um, derechos can last for so long. Again, we have a specific definition, six hours or longer over a span of 250 miles. I mean, can you imagine a storm staying severe that long? I mean, that's how powerful these are and how strong they are. They can travel um, just such a long way and can impact so many people, too. And um, unfortunately, we have had some derechos in the most recent past, actually just last week, right? Yes. Um, we had one, actually. So Mount Holly, in case anyone doesn't know, Mount Holly, New Jersey, is one of the National Weather Services or National Weather Service offices that covers Delmarva. It covers northern Delmarva, and then Wakefield, Virginia, covers southern Delmarva. So Mount Holly had a derecho go through uh, just last week. It was on June 3rd. Uh, of when on Wednesday, and um, if you want to talk a little bit about that, Ulysses and I can add in too. But yeah, pushed through Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Um, but where did it originate? Originally, uh, so the Mountain Holly office actually throughout the weekend they actually posted a video where the radar and it actually has it showing originating as far northwest as North and South Dakota. Wow! And this is a, and it's a 1,400 mile journey within 28 hours. So. Uh, so that's, you know, if you were to do the math on that, it's about 50 miles, 50 miles an hour, uh, you know, from the Dakotas all the way to, you know, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So definitely uh, quite a track there as it started. And obviously 28 hours means that it probably more than likely started back on Tuesday the 2nd. But when it comes to here in the mid-Atlantic here by the, you know, by Mount Holly, uh, a lot of the, you know, all of the observations recorded 60 to 80 mile an hour wind gusts. But some areas were even to get to reports of 90 miles an hour, especially on the coast. Um, and these storms were pretty much moving quickly throughout the morning hours. So for that morning commute, really on an unfortunate time, you know, to have these storms barrel through the area. By the time it headed into the afternoon, they finally began to push off into the Atlantic. But um, and unfortunately, you know, one of the things that uh, over 250 report wind damages reported in the Mount Holly uh, you know, within their coverage area. And then, unfortunately, you know, four fatalities uh, happened from the midday derecho as well. So um, definitely, you know, an unfortunate situation that happened there. And I know Daniel will yeah. elaborate a little bit more on that as well. Right. So anytime, you know, life is lost and any type of severe system causes, um, you know, loss of life is always sad. And, one is too many, you know, mm -hmm. just one person losing their life. And to have four people all in Pennsylvania die um, on Wednesday because of this derecho, again, a very dangerous uh, system, usually within mesoscale convective systems. And that's what this was that Ulysses mentioned originated in the northern plains yes. of North and South Dakota. It wasn't classified as a derecho at that time. It was classified as a derecho once the complex really got going and turned severe around uh, western Pennsylvania, right around Lake Erie. And that's when it really started to intensify. And then it just pushed through the rest of Pennsylvania. It slammed Philadelphia, pushed into New Jersey, and then pushed out to sea. So uh, I know a lot of people were tracking this during the day. I was watching it as it was happening. And it looked scary. And unfortunately, these deaths occurred all from trees being knocked over. Mm -hmm. And again, derecho meaning straight for straight line wind damage. And again, straight line wind damage is winds that are blowing out from a thunderstorm in a straight line. So it knocks trees down, it knocks buildings over, and they're all knocked over in the same similar direction. 
because the winds are blowing in one straight direction. So all these trees were blown over, they fell on people's cars, they fell on people's houses, and unfortunately, three of these people were caught in their cars uh, driving in it. So again, that's why it's so important if you are under any type of severe thunderstorm warning or even a tornado warning, we recommend you know, getting into a sturdy building if you can and heeding the warnings the best you can uh, just to save your life and, and to, stay, to stay safe. But again, a lot of people are caught off guard, you know, yeah. with derechos. I mean, you're coming home from work, you're driving somewhere that you need to be. Sometimes you don't have a place to go and you're caught off guard when these storms pop up. So uh, that's why it's always important to maybe download, you know, a weather app. Of course, 47 ABC, we have a weather app that can send you alerts if any of these storms pop up. And they can happen in the middle of the night, too. So this yeah. storm that pushed through luckily just missed Delmarva. I mean, it was just north of us, uh, but did cause some major problems and had so many reports of damage. So that was that system mm -hmm. in the most recent past, which was literally last week. But let's talk about another mesoscale convective system that produced uh, a lot of damage. And this was actually... We want to go back to 2012. Is that what you want to talk about now? Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk yeah. about the 2012. And that was, again, one of the most destructive ones ever on record. And I remember this one. I was actually stuck in it. And I'll tell a little story about it after Ulysses just goes over some of the basics here and, and what it did. It traveled over a long period of time, and it unfortunately killed a lot more people than the one that just pushed through Pennsylvania. So, again, June of 2012. Yeah, so the June of 2012 one, it actually started – in, you know, Indiana, and it actually made its way towards Delmarva, towards, uh, you know, to port, towards parts of Maryland and Virginia on the, the last days of June in 2012. Uh, when it comes to wind gusts, the peak wind gust was 91 miles an hour, and this was actually in Indiana, but it was really just, it moved throughout. It actually lasted 18 hours. It traveled 800 miles along the way. Incredible. And unfortunately, like a lot of uh, what the, the saddest part about this thing is that it would happen during a heat wave. So yeah. with those areas that did get uh, and based on some of the information I've read here, it created uh, quite a havoc when it comes to electrical power, which means that the ACs were down. And obviously during a heat wave, that's the last thing you want it to happen. So it definitely was more of a it created more of a mess than what it did. It's not just simple old straight line, maybe down trees. It was really able to knock out power lines, um, you know, from the Midwest, the Appalachians, and eventually into the Mid-Atlantic. Um, and when it comes to some of the information here, when it comes to Maryland and Washington, D.C., uh, you know, 68,000 people were without power in D.C. and 1.6 million without power in Maryland. Uh, but most of the damages when it comes to this system when it were across the bay but i know daniel has a story about what you know yep. how he encountered this thing uh, back in 2012 yeah and i do i remember this like it was yesterday because of my experience um but before i get into that story i wanted to talk about the heat wave that ulysses mentioned that was so notable it was like a long-lasting heat wave temperatures were over 100 degrees in so many cities on the east coast and um i was actually on vacation uh in myrtle beach um no, no, I was at the Outer Banks in North Carolina. So this system I knew was coming. There was a potential, you know, there was an outlook for severe weather and a potential derecho that could happen. And um, again, before I get into the store, I did pull up the temperatures in the heat wave. 
Ulysses, guess what the temperature was, the high temperature in Salisbury. Did you look it up already? No. Yes, no? Okay. The, the high temperature in Salisbury on June 29th, the day it happened. 100. It was 101. 101. So, and that was a record in 2012. So, again, Salisbury, even the peninsula, you know, surrounded by water, had uh, temperatures over 100 degrees, and that just helped to fuel these thunderstorms. Again, I was on vacation in the Outer Banks of North Carolina with my family. It was the last day of our vacation, and most of us were leaving the next morning. But my sister had to get home for something. I can't remember what it was. Maybe she had to go to work the next day. So I decided to leave just the night before so I didn't have to get up early because I love sleeping in. So we decided to get in the car. It was me, my sister, and her dog, which was probably a two- or three-year-old pit bull at the time. So we're driving home from Myrtle Beach. We get into Virginia. You know, the sun is setting. We're on 64, passing Williamsburg, and then approaching Richmond when all of a sudden the storm hit. I knew it was coming. My sister was like, she had radar popped up, popped up for me. I was help te teaching her how to read radar, um, and we were just tracking it. And I said, okay, it's about to hit us really hard, and we need to pull over somewhere. So I pulled over on the side of the road under an overpass, which probably wasn't the smartest thing, but we always tell people not to go in there in case of a tornado spin-up, because being under an overpass, a lot of people think you're safe, but that can act as a, a wind tunnel if a tornado or type of storm would pop up. So anyway, we, we did go under there because we could barely see anything was pouring down, and it was just incredible, the wind, the rain. So many cars were pulled over. Luckily, we made it home to northern Virginia, which was hit even harder than Richmond was hit. And roads were shut down. We had to avoid power lines. So many cities were dark. And we finally made it home, but our phones weren't working. Like, none of our phones, not even our cell phones, were working. So the cell phone towers must have been knocked out, everything. So we couldn't even reach my parents to let them know we made it home. But anyway, that was a very scary time. Um, it's not putting me in a good light, I guess, as a meteorologist, being stuck on the road when a derecho is pushing through and I knew it was coming. Um, but that's how crazy meteorologists are, right? We're out there, you know putting ourselves in danger sometimes when we shouldn't. So anyway, I recommend you not driving in a derecho and don't go under an overpass um, unless that's the last resort and, like, you have to. Because I'm telling you the truth, I'm going to go under an overpass um, if there's, like, hail, large hail or something crazy that can do some damage. But that's just me. Don't take my word for it. But that's my story uh, during that derecho, which was a very scary moment and so memorable because it caused almost $3 billion in damage. It, 22 people lost their lives, and the winds were over 90 miles per hour in some locations, and I cannot believe it tracked over 800 miles. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that part, and lasted 18 hours. So, yeah, again, that did so much damage, and it pushed through here. It pushed through Salisbury, and hit, went towards the beaches, too. So, that was 2012. That was 2012, yes. And, and but we then, uh, and, and also a little fun fact within the, yeah. the 2012, it says that, you know, the damage uh, exceeded everything but the top 25 Atlantic tropical cyclones. So it, you know, produced a lot of damage. Wow. So pretty much a, a you know large, you know, pretty large enough to, to the fact that the only thing that could overtop it was just you know tropical cyclones. Yeah. So uh, definitely. That's you know, intense. Definitely monumental uh, in that aspect for sure. Yeah. And while we were doing our research on derechos. I couldn't believe there was actually one more recently uh, than 2012. Um, Ulysses found it and looked it up, and I'm guessing I don't remember it because it wasn't as intense as the 2012 one. Again, 2012 was one of the most destructive and deadly fast-moving 
you know, severe thunderstorm complexes in North American history. So, of course, I would remember that one and being caught in it driving. But, yeah, let's talk about 2013, just a year later. Yes. It just, happened again. Yes, just a year later, 2012, uh, June 12th and 13th of 2013. Uh, this one actually was, uh, it actually has it broken down with 12 hours on the 12th and 13th, and then it actually has it for nine hours on the 13th. So it looks like we were dealing with uh, a, a two of them, actually, yeah. a series of them. But they kind of look like they kind of went through similar areas. Uh, 30 tornadoes were created from this thing, from the, these derechos. Um, four fatalities. Um, you know, they started in the Midwest. And they, you know, from uh, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, and then, you know, pushed their way in even as far south as Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina. So yes, this so one actually looks like it went through a lot more, um, a lot more states than the one in 2012 as it affected more regions. And then when it comes to the tornado breakdown, 17 EF0s, 10 EF1s, 2 EF2s, 1 EF3. And in Maryland, we had three uh, tornadoes that were EF0s, and we were all across the bay. But uh, definitely, you know, it definitely was quite a bit when it comes to this system here. The good news, based on the information I've read here, doesn't look like there was a middle of a heat wave like the 2012. But... It definitely looks like it was a lot more expansive as it covered a good amount of more states um, across the region. And it looks like on the 12th, this system was a little bit more towards the north, affecting uh, Iowa and Illinois and Ohio and Indiana more. While on the 13th, it kind of went a little bit more towards the south with Virginia, Tennessee, Maryland, um, and even Georgia getting into the action. Yes, and I'm looking up the temperatures and... Um, again, 2012, we had a high of 101, yeah. a lot of days above 100. And I was looking at June 12th, Salisbury, we had a high of 90, so it was hot. Um, and then June 13th, we had a high of 92. Mm -hmm. So the heat wave was more towards the Midwest, as you mentioned. They had yeah. really hot temperatures. They had excessive heat warnings mm -hmm. uh, in effect in parts of Illinois and sections of the Midwest. While we weren't quite as hot as we were for 2012, but there was still so much you know, fuel, I guess, for these thunderstorms yes. to produce so much damage. And this one had more of a tornado yes. content, you know, um, a lot of tornado um, action with this, you know, derecho outbreak um, compared to the 2012 one. Yeah, the 2012 so, actually had none, actually. Yeah, so 30 tornadoes in this one. Yes, 30 tornadoes. Um, and, you know, and it was, and it was a two-day two day event because yeah. it was a, two, a series. But it yeah. was... Definitely, uh, um, and yeah, and obviously when it comes to casualties, four. So, uh, yeah. I run, you know, the, while well, the 2012 had a little bit more casualties, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the 2012 one was more because it's a combination of the heat true, you're, you're and right. the damage, while the one in 2013 is just more associated with either the straight line damage or the tornadoes. So, yeah. obviously, I think that was, it was more because of the warnings were able to protect the people, while the 2012, it was more just once the power got lost, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those fatalities were based, you know, after the storm, but, you know, are part of the data, but there were more after because of the heat. Right. So, again, those are some of our most recent, you know, history on derechos here on the East Coast. And before we go, I do want to mention just one more. We actually just had a derecho in Utah, of all places, um, just the other day, um, on June 6th of 2020. Um, again, derechos are rare, um, period. They don't happen all the time. 
Um, as you know, our last one in Salisbury was 2012 and 2013. So it's been a while. Um, one just happened in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and now we had one in Utah, and that pushed into Wyoming. And this actually began in southern Utah around 9 in the morning on the 6th, and then it pushed all the way into central Wyoming. So it traveled 750 miles. So it traveled a long time from through Utah into even parts of North Dakota. It traveled uh, pretty far here, and it lasted almost 12 hours. So that is a long, uh, long track derecho. And again, winds were over 60 miles per hour in most locations. The highest wind gust was 110, 110 miles per hour in Winter Park, um, in the Winter Park ski area in Grand County, Colorado. So yeah, it affected Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, and into the, the Dakotas and also Idaho. So again, this was an extreme, extremely rare derecho because you don't see a lot of them out there in the mountains, you know, at high elevations no, yeah, and absolutely. in locations um, that far west. So it was just really interesting to see that. And the SPC actually put out something on Twitter saying that the derecho that hit Utah actually produced the most significant wind gust reports in a day wow. from SPC. So, you know, SPC, we get, they get wind gust reports all the time from severe storms. Um, but they had so many wind gust reports. Um, and when I say wind gust reports, I mean significant wind gust reports, meaning 75 miles per hour or higher. Um, that was 44. 44 reports of 75 mile per hour wind gusts. And guess what the second most reported day was ever recorded? June 29th, 2012. And that's the derecho that slammed the Mid-Atlantic that we just covered. So, wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, I didn't even realize that until now, until I just read it. Uh, I didn't realize that was the second most. Um, of course, that makes sense, since June 2012 derecho was the most destructive um, derecho in history. No, so. yes. And I, I think the, also the interesting thing, if you notice, based on what we've been talking about, is that these derechos are more common in the summer months, and also they tend to happen a little bit more towards the north. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that in the southern U.S. you won't get any. It's just that you have higher chances over the northern half of the country for these, uh, you know, derechos to form. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I know Daniel and I, we were talking off, you know, off, off air. We were mentioning it's almost like you almost want to think of it like a clipper. Oh, yeah. Uh, like know, a winter like, type yeah, system. Kind of like on a, yeah, the way how it's just a How it moving. travels. Yeah. yeah, how it travels and everything. Um, so, yeah, so if you want to think about that, you know, in the summertime, uh, it definitely, you'll see a lot more of these. Um, yeah, they can sometimes happen in the spring, but obviously in the summer is when we have the best chance to see these derechos. Right, and of course, clippers happen in the winter. They bring you snow. They're fairly weak. They're not destructive. But we were just talking about, you know, the path. They move from the northwest, typically, to the southeast, and they spread across yeah. our area like clippers move in that, in that way, too. But, yeah, derecho, a very unique severe thunderstorm. There are so many different types of severe thunderstorms. Uh, Ulysses is probably going to do a weather tidbits um, specifically about derechos. So look for that on our website in the weather tidbits section. I'll probably write a blog just to show you guys what it might look like uh, on radar in case you guys can't. Um, picture that backward C that I was discussing earlier um, of what it looks like. Uh, we can post that up, at least just a radar image to give you an idea. Of course, I'm sure that will be in uh, his weather tidbits too. So 
looking forward to learning more about derechos. They're very, very dangerous. And, yeah, we don't root for them. No, absolutely not. They're definitely, uh, definitely scary stuff. You know, they're very quick moving. So, you know, and unfortunately, you know, if you, when it comes to derechos, unlike, you know, most, uh, you know, most other type of thunderstorms, these, you know, they tend to come a little bit, you, the weather tends to deteriorate very, very quickly. So it's like you don't really have a lot of time to prepare yourself for them to come. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you really don't have that you know, time, like, you know, like Daniel was mentioning in his story, he, yeah, he was tracking them, but that window, um, it will come at you. So definitely, mm -hmm. you know, these are not these type of thunderstorms that, you know, yeah, we're monitoring them on radar, but, you know, they can come at you uh, one-two punch for sure. Yeah, and if you guys listened to a podcast, I think it was a podcast or two ago, I can't remember which one, we mentioned that we were in a pattern where mesoscale convective systems could form that we're in that type of pattern, and it looks like we're still in that pattern, so yeah. there could be future ones coming up. So yeah. keep it tuned to 47ABC, keep it tuned to your NOAA weather radio, keep it tuned to your local weather station, and uh, just keep, keep it tuned. You know, guys, stay safe. We'll keep you updated. We'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of WeatherWise. Yep, where we bring you weather wisdom, everybody. That's right. Have a good one. Yeah, see ya. <laughs>